And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Ding You here at The Athletic, presented by BetMGM. I am Michael Beller. I will be hosting Ding You. We are super excited for this. We're going to be covering the NCAA tournament right here all the way through the championship game. From every possible angle, we are going to have a heavy bet focus on the betting world, thanks to our friends at BetMGM. We're going to talk about on court at the sportsbook. Every single thing that will help you get your brackets right, help you get your bets right, at least we hope so, getting yourself all the way through the NCAA tournament. I will be joined every single episode by my co-host, Brian Bennett. And Brian, a year ago at this time, you and I were lamenting a tournament that we did not have after we had led up to it for so many uh, weeks with our podcast. Now here we are one year later getting the NCAA tournament that we are so, so excited for. Very happy to be doing this with you, my friend. So thrilled. It's always been my favorite week of the year, and to have it be taken away last year really makes me appreciate it more. I got my giant bracket on the wall behind me. <laughs> I am uh, I am so ready for this. Let's let's tip it off and let, let's talk about it. Yeah, that bracket uh, makes me feel like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> past years where I've actually uh, been on site covering the tournament. And you always see those brackets, you know, back in the uh, in the media area. Obviously, we are not there this year, but still enjoying it uh, the way that we can. Now, we've got a great show for you here, and we are going to start out by considering some Final Four and National Championship odds, region by region. Again, these are coming to us from BetMGM. And Brian, let's start with the region that gives us the number one overall seed. That is the West region where we find Gonzaga not only as the obvious favorite, but as the only team at the start of the tournament that has minus odds to win its region. You see right there, minus 175 before you get down to Iowa at plus 650. And then a couple of uh, plus 1,000s, 10 to 1 on Kansas and Virginia. You actually come back down to plus 800 for Creighton. You see the 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10s as well. Uh, when you look at this region, I mean, is there Gonzaga is obviously the favorite and for good reason, but could you make a value-based argument for anyone else here? Yeah, I, I'm not going to bet against Gonzaga here because – not only are they the best team, but they've already beaten Iowa, uh, Virginia, and Kansas uh, handily. And I, I don't really see the rematch uh, changing that. However, if I were going to make a bet, and it would be a strict value play, and that would be on Oregon, the number seven seed. You know, that's a team that was playing really well down the stretch. It did get upset by Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament, but I don't think we should base all our decisions on one outcome. Uh, Oregon State obviously is playing very well down the stretch, but but Oregon always a team that's difficult to play this time of year. Dana Altman with a lot of switching defenses. You know, Will Richardson coming back for them has made them a, a really dangerous club. And as a seven seed, that means they'd be down on the other side of the bracket. Maybe could get to the elite eight, and then you take your chances with an upset. So, with those odds, was it sixteen hundred? Uh, if mm -hmm. I were going to make any kind of bet, that's where I put my money. 
I, you know, it's a, it's an interesting bet, and we have seen an Oregon team uh, that has, over the last few years, right, get stronger and stronger in the second half of the season, and it was a similar path that that team followed this year. I, I really do find it uh, very, very hard to go against Gonzaga, even from a from a, the standpoint of trying to find value. If I were going to do it, the team that I would look at would actually probably be Iowa, only because I, I just don't think there's any slowing down Gonzaga's offense. I think if you were going to beat them, if someone ends up beating them over these next three weeks, it's going to be a team that can score with them. You're going to have to put up, I think, 80-plus in a game to beat Gonzaga. And I was the team that can do that. Uh, they did that uh, against Gonzaga in the earlier in the season. Of course, Gonzaga scored like 97 in that game, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I was unable to win it. But they can score with Gonzaga when they are at their A game. So that's the team that I would look at here. And, you know, as tempting as it is to take what feels like uh, an easy bet on Gonzaga, mm -hmm. minus 175 uh, just doesn't feel right. Any team is just one bad shooting night away from losing in the NCAA tournament. So the minus 175, hard to get to on Gonzaga. Uh, let's throw it over to the South region where Baylor, uh, the number one seed, is coming in at plus 100 to make the final four. Then we've got Ohio State at plus 600, a group of teams at plus 1,000. That includes not only the three, four, and five seeds, Arkansas, Purdue, and Villanova, but also number eight, North Carolina. That's interesting to me, if only because even if they win that first round game against Wisconsin, then they're faced right up against Baylor. So it's interesting to see them coming in at plus 1,000 with such better odds than what we see from Florida, who would have to have you know a seemingly easier path going up against Ohio State should they get past Virginia Tech in that first round matchup. Let's talk about the same thing here, Brian. Uh, Baylor, the obvious favorite, but can you make a value-based argument for anyone else to get out of the region? Yeah, it's similar to Gonzaga. You know, I wouldn't bet against Baylor in this region if I didn't have to, but if I'm looking for value, I think there's a lot of good value picks in this region. Um, I like Texas Tech at plus 800. Uh, you know, they kind of up and down at times this year, but obviously with that defense of Chris Beard, you know, last time we saw a tournament, they were in the title game in overtime. So uh, that's a team I think could make a run, especially that defense could could really gobble people up. Now that the problem is, do they end up playing Baylor? Baylor would be very familiar with that. But if there's some upsets mm -hmm. along the way, I could see that. I could see Arkansas plus 1,000. That's a pretty tasty number for me. Uh, really talented team. Uh, played extremely well down the stretch. Obviously lost LSU in the SEC tournament. But, you know, before that had won 12 straight SEC games. So a team coming in uh, with a lot of confidence. So And even Purdue, I think, you know, if they could get hot. I think they're a bit too young. And in fact, mm -hmm. uh, I may be picking them to get upset here later on the show, but uh, <laughs> I think there are some there are some good value plays, and even Ohio State at plus six hundred for a two seed. There's no, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, for a two seed that just nearly won the Big Ten tournament, they beat Michigan, yeah. of course, without Isaiah Livers, and then uh, push Illinois and almost win that game too. So Ohio State, you know, very high ceiling playing their way onto the two line. I think that's where there is some value in this one. I have trouble trusting Arkansas's offense. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a very high-powered offense when it is going right, but we've seen some up and down from them this season. Purdue's going to be awesome next year. Purdue's, we're going to be talking yeah. about them as one of the favorites next year when we get our, you know, first way too early top 25s. Purdue's going to be in there, but I think maybe a year ahead of schedule. Uh, keep on throwing your questions into the chat. We will be taking those as we go along in this show. For now, however, let's move on into the Midwest region where we do find the Big Ten champions, at least the Big Ten tournament champions. And down in Champaign, they would tell you the outright Big Ten champions across Across the board, uh, plus 150 to win this region. Then we've got Houston at plus 500, West Virginia plus 600. Oklahoma State, the interesting one, coming in at plus 400. Obviously, this is a team that surged down the stretch. Cade Cunningham is a couple of months away from being the number one overall pick 
in the draft, and you see the rest of this region here. But Oklahoma State's the interesting, the most interesting one, I think, to talk about here, Brian. Interesting to see them as the four and West Virginia as the three in this region, uh, especially with bracketing principles. Feels awfully easy for the committee to have flipped those two, make Oklahoma State the three, West Virginia the four, and give us the possibility of Io Dasunmu against Cade Cunningham in the Elite Eight. Now that's looking like a Sweet 16 matchup if all the matchups hold here. But that's where I would go in this region, even though I think Illinois is the best team for sure. Getting those plus odds on a team like Oklahoma State has me really intrigued. Where are you at in this one? Yeah, and looking at Oklahoma State as the number two betting choice in this region tells you that the committee really screwed up with its seating. I mean, they really should have been a three seed. I thought they had a chance to be a two seed if they would have beaten Texas in the Big 12 tournament title game. Uh, for them to be a four seed is just it's absurd. They had the second most quad one wins in the country behind Illinois. Uh, for them to be a four seed and then perhaps play Illinois – uh, is pretty crazy. And you talk about uh, Brad Underwood could maybe play Loyola Chicago in the second round in his old school Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16. I'm sure he's thrilled about that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> West Virginia with a special talent, number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. I'm sorry, uh, Oklahoma State with them. Uh, there mm. certainly uh, would be would be the team to go here if you're looking for a little bit of value, although plus 400 for a four seed uh, is not all that great of value. And you talk about Loyola, too, with the season that they had dominating the Missouri Valley and then getting a very tough draw. A tough draw for both of those teams, yeah. Loyola and Georgia Tech, having to face one another in the first round. Those are two teams with some second weekend juice, and one of them is going to go out after one game. So well, that'll be among the best games of the first round. Finally, let's take a look at the East region here. Michigan at plus 175. Look, you're not going to get great odds on a one seed, but if Isaiah Livers is good to go, if they can survive this first weekend and Isaiah Livers is good to go for the Sweet 16, plus 175 feels very good on Michigan. Alabama at plus 400. We know what the deal is with that team. One of the best offensive teams in the country, and Herb Jones, one of the best takeover players in the country. A lot of love for both Texas and Florida State. We see them coming in at plus 550 and plus 500, respectively. Very little love for the Colorado Buffaloes coming in yeah. at plus 1,200, 6 through 10. You can see there on the screen, UConn at plus 800. We know what James Booknight means for that team, uh, giving us maybe some memories of Shabazz Napier in years past, has them at plus 800 with better odds to come out of this region than BYU, than Colorado. It's a really fun region. It's a really interesting region. Where are your eyes drawn to when you look at that chart? Yeah, this is my favorite region by far of the four, uh, you know, especially because it's just so wide open with the, with the liver situation. But, uh, boy, I love Texas. Texas is my dark horse national title contender. Mm -hmm. uh, you may see me pick them in the Final Four here in a few minutes, uh, plus 550. I think that's a pretty good number. They'd have to go through Alabama and maybe Michigan, so that would be tough. But uh, the way they're playing, all their athleticism, they have, they're tough. they got good veteran guards. Uh, that's a team I really uh, have a, a shine for at this point. And then Florida State, a plus 500, a team no one's really going to want to match up with because of their mm -hmm. size, their length, uh, their athleticism, their depth. Um, they have had some issues. They have given up you know, a lot of turnovers in some games, especially against Georgia Tech. Uh, so you wonder if they can win four in a row against good competition. But, but those two would be my, my, the way I would go just for the value and for the teams you're getting. Yeah, that's where I get into a little bit of trouble with Florida State, a team that I just have trouble trusting their three-weekend-long consistency. And that's why even though I think plus 500, just based on their 
talent alone and just the style of play that they're going to bring uh, is interesting, is intriguing. I have trouble trusting them to win these four games to get to the final four. And again, as I said, if Isaiah Livers is back, I think we're going to be looking at plus 175 for Michigan as pretty friendly odds to the better. Of course, we're going to be making that decision semi-blind as we get ready for the start of the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament. Please keep on sending your questions. We are happy to take all of them. Bracket, betting, futures, whatever it might be, populate the uh, the YouTube chat with those questions. We will get to them throughout the show. For now, however, we are going to bring on one of our partners over at BetMGM, Jason Scott. Jason is the VP of trading at BetMGM. Basically, we're looking at the head odds maker for BetMGM out in Las Vegas. Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. Afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing great. We are very excited. I know you must be as well getting ready for a tournament that starts 24 hours later than we're, we are used to. We're not going to get that Thursday to Sunday feel that we love. It's a Friday to Monday feel this year, but still very happy to get it going. Selection Sunday just a couple of days ago revealing the field of 68 and all the matchups. And as Brian and I were just talking about all the Final Four and Championship futures that we've seen with those now out there for a couple of days, which teams have you seen getting the most action in the futures market? It's two-way traffic. Um, it was three-way traffic, but as I live as his injuries means we're not seeing much money for Michigan. But we, we're only laying Illinois and... This is Gonzaga. It makes sense, Illinois. They're sort of, you know, the plus 600, plus 700, the team that's on the roll. They've got the big guy. They've got the closer. And Gonzaga, you know, as you mentioned before, they've beaten the other top two, the other, all the other number one seeds. They've had one game under double figures. It makes sense that they're going to be popular. As a bookmaker, laying plus 200 for a team to win six games makes sense. But then you look at it from the other angle, who's going to beat them? Yeah, and Jason, what are what are some of the most popular upset picks that you're seeing uh, so far this week? Yeah, it's very similar. People love momentum, and Georgetown have been the best back to both at the money line and plus four and a half coming. Oh, it was plus five down to plus four and a half coming out of the the tournament win, and and to a lesser degree, but still reasonably popular, Utah State. Um, they've sort of been round plus by. We've had plenty of money, and there is a trickle, obviously, on the back of the COVID situation that perhaps Eastern Washington can pull up a huge upset against Kansas, given the upheaval. From what I understand, the guys in Kansas are sort of travelling on the late. Whether they're practising, nobody knows. Um, I think that's a Hail Mary, but we're, we're certainly seeing a trickle of money there. Yeah, they're not the only high seed dealing with that as well. Virginia also, and they, I'm assuming, are getting a little bit of flack coming in against them with Ohio, a team that in Jason Preston has a guy that writes the right formula for a underdog to make a little bit of a run here, a superstar who can definitely put his team on his back. Let's go back up to the top of the field here. The four number one seeds, obviously, they've got the shortest championship odds. They're followed then by a trio of two seeds, Iowa, Ohio State, and Alabama. Right there with those two seeds is an Oklahoma State team that we just talked about a little bit. They're the number four seed in the Midwest region. They're going to have to get through Illinois, one of the hottest teams in the country, just to get to the Elite Eight. So a very tough path in front of Cade Cunningham and the Cowboys, but still one of the looked at as one of the top teams to win the NCAA tournament. How do we arrive at a price like this for Oklahoma State? I think you summed it up earlier. I heard you mentioning that, frankly, uh, their seeding's wrong. 
Uh, and and for us, you know, I've learned for a very long time you've got to let the market tell you tell you what prices a team team should be both in the futures and in games. And we're just seeing a constant trickle of money. It's Kate Cunningham, Kate Cunningham, Kate Cunningham that that that's bringing people in. But we're laying we, we're seeing nearly twice as much money for a team for that team than what we're seeing for someone like Alabama, despite them winning the conference and being roughly the same price. So public sentiment causes that and. It, it, it seems that the most people agree that it's the, the wrong seating. There probably should be a three. In saying that, me, meeting Illinois in the Sweet 16, and you know Tennessee isn't going to be an easy beat in the second round. You know, even maybe maybe there's a chance in the first round they can get beaten. So 16 to one seems short enough to me. Jason, we mentioned the uh, liver situation at Michigan a couple times already, but 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 how do you how do you handle a situation like that when you have you know, such an important player on one of the top teams, you know, when you're setting odds and, and, and how do you, have you seen that maybe affect the, the, the betting so far? Look, frankly, for us, given the injury, given it's an ankle, a foot, they're the ones where we're happy, you know, as a bookmaker, you're happy to take the biggest risk on. Uh, they can't win the tournament without him in, in our eyes. Um, they, you know, they're, they're no certainty. They've, they've got a so-called easy draw game one, but they're no certainty to get through the rest of it. We're happy to be towards the top of the market and bring some money in in Michigan to to all of our customers in the good state. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it's as a better, it's a bet that I'm a little bit comfortable taking the risk on just because of how efficient and how good they were with livers and uh, maybe more in a bracket pool where you're going to see so many people come off of them, especially with the popularity of the one seeds. Maybe I feel a little bit better about taking them a round or two farther than I would have uh, because of the popularity of the other ones. And maybe you get a little bit of an edge, a little bit of pot odds by trusting Michigan and hoping that livers is back. But I do understand uh, how they are being treated and why they're being treated the way they are in the betting market. We got one more question here for you, Jason, uh, the prop market Getting rolling along, you guys at BetMGM are offering lines on which conference is going to win the national championship. Can the Big Ten finally break that 21-year drought? Which seed will win? All sorts of things like that. What sort of props are you seeing the most action coming in on in these first few days of betting? On these big events, and, and we see it in the Super Bowl, and we're seeing it again, the early business, when you first go up, it's all the chalk. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga, Gonzaga to, to, win their, to win their region. Uh, the, the number one seeds to progress to sort of Elite Eight, Sweet 16. What we start to see as as the tournament gets closer, come Thursday and Friday, that's when we start to see the interesting bets. The, the social occasional gamblers coming in, having their 10 and $20 on on something of big odds. But at the moment, we're, we're seeing lots of solid big bets for, for number one seeds. Uh, we have seen a little bit of money for Texas in the um, in the state, the state market, which state will win. Seems to be on, you know, you have Baylor, but then you sort of got Texas, Houston. Yep. You've just got the, the the people like to have five teams running for them who are sort of all under twenty five to one. I'm probably happy to happy to lay that as well. <laughs> Don't forget Abilene Christian. Maybe Abilene Christian goes on a little <laughs> bit of a run here and gets themselves uh, a Cinderella story in this 2021 tournament. Jason Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Going to be with us every episode here of Ding You as we take you through the. NCAA championship. Jason, thanks again for being here with us today. Thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, let's keep things rolling here, you guys. As I said, uh, any questions you might have, please throw them in there. We are happy to take them. But for the time being, Brian and I are going to talk about some of the things that everyone is talking about this week as they are filling out their brackers. Who's getting upset? Who's that double-digit team that is going to make a Sweet 16 and a Elite Eight run? Something along those lines. Let's start right there, Brian. Double-digit seeds that we think are going to make a Sweet 16 run. I will check to you, speaking of gambling, and let you take this one first. Sure. Actually, I wrote a story uh, that ran Monday morning called Finding Cinderella on our site, and I give you five double-digit seeds to take a look at. Uh, I think we have a good chance to be that kind of Cinderella, but my number one choice going into the tournament, and especially when I saw the matchup, is Winthrop. Uh, I love Winthrop, 23-1. and only lost one game all year by it was by two points at home. A game they led by eight uh, with a couple minutes left. Team that plays differently than anybody else. They play eleven or twelve guys. Uh, they bring in hockey shifts uh, for their substitution patterns, five men at a time. Um, they play super fast, top ten pace mm-hmm. in the country. They've got a good big man, six ten DJ Burns. They've got a great point guard who's six foot seven and Chandler Valdron. Got six triple doubles. Uh, this is a team I really like. And then when you look at Villanova's issues with Colin Gillespie being injured, they haven't won since. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be some issues with with keeping Burns on the floor defensively against Villanova's style. But I really like this Winthrop team a lot. They're very talented, used to winning, and I I like them to get to the Sweet 16. I mean, this is going to be a 12-5 that where more people are on the 12, just straight up yeah. to win. Uh, forget about with the points. I mean, this is going to be easily the most popular 12-5 upset of this 2021 tournament reminds me of uh, the 2019 tournament, the last tournament we had uh, where Oregon was like consensus pick over Wisconsin. And that went in Oregon's favor. You mentioned it too, right? The Villanova, no Colin Gillespie, a second round matchup with the winner of Purdue or North Texas. And again, you know, Purdue is a very, I think a high floor, but a low ceiling team this season. So Winthrop definitely feeling like a team that can make that sweet 16 run. I'm going to flip it over to the other side of the bracket and talk about Ohio, a team that I already mentioned a little bit here, Jason Preston. I mean, when I look for a team uh, that is going to be an underdog in its first two games, or at least expected to be in the second game, should have pulled the upset in the first one. I want to trust a team that has a guy who can put them on his back and carry them, who can put up 30, 35 and carry them to a victory. We saw that way back at the start of the season. Jason Preston, Ohio, announced themselves with him putting up 31 in a near loss against Illinois. I mean, this is just a guy who can really carry an underdog team. And I look at the draw that Ohio has uh, going up against a Virginia team that is dealing with its COVID issues right now. We'd get the winner of Creighton and UCSB if they were able to pull the upset against Virginia. You know, Creighton is a team that can really score it, but obviously is not really going to intimidate you too much. And Ohio, I think, can match them there. UCSB, right, going to play a similar style to Creighton. So that's uh, another one of the most anticipated 12-5 matchups in the tournament but again it just comes back for me to jason preston if i'm going to bet on a 13 seed to go to the sweet 16 i want them to have a true go-to player uh, ohio definitely has that in preston so that 
is where I lean here. Uh, we talked now about a top five seed that we think is going to get upset in the first round. Everyone's always going to look to a 12-5. We're not necessarily talking 16-1 or 15-2 here, uh, but we could be talking 14-3. 13-4. Uh, I put out Virginia, or I put out Villanova, excuse me, for all the reasons you said. You put out Virginia as one of the teams, I think, for a lot of the reasons I said. So let's put those teams to the side and talk about a couple other teams that you like here, because I'm not so sure I'm on board with these. But you've got Purdue and Creighton as teams that are in some serious upset trouble. Tell us why. Yeah, well, Purdue, uh, they're playing North Texas. Uh, North Texas is a team that's top 25 in defense this year. I don't know if you watched the Conference USA title game against Western Kentucky, a very talented team. It was 48-48 going into overtime. They, mm-hmm. they like to really muck things up. Uh, they've got a little bit of size. Uh, they got a great closer in Javion Hamlet, who I've kind of called the Io DeSumo Jr. He's, uh, he's smaller, <laughs> but uh, he was the, the Conference USA player of the year last year uh, and got edged out for that this year by Charles Bassey, but he closed that game out. Uh, he has no fear. And we mentioned Purdue. Purdue, again, I think you're right. High floor, low ceiling. Very, very young team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they do have Travion Williams, who has a little bit of experience, and he's a load down there. But North Texas has a guy who's 6'10", 250, I think could at least, you know, be, uh, bang around with him a little bit down there. And then with Creighton, I, I really like this UCSB team, the Santa Barbara. They, uh, they have uh, high major talent. All five of their starters either started their career at a high major program or were or four star recruits. So they they uh they really have more talent than you usually see, especially from a team out of the Big West. Creighton coming off that really bad blowout loss against Georgetown. You wonder where their heads are. And, and again, they uh you see Santa Barbara has some size, good rebounding team. Got a six ten stretch four miles north, uh six nine all conference post player inside. And Creighton is not a really physical team. So I do like Creighton, but I think that that is a possible upset to watch. Yeah, it's going to be another very fun one, another very popular one. You've got Kempom calling for a seven-point victory for Creighton, but that's going to that's just got the signature of a game that uh, the underdog could end up sticking around and playing the sort of pace that the favorite wants to play. And if that ends up being the case, we could be looking at uh, another 12-5 upset, the hallmark of the NCAA tournament. Finally here, let's talk about a top three seed that we don't think is going to make it to the second weekend. So we're not necessarily saying that this is going to be a first round loss, uh, but a team that isn't going to be playing in the Sweet 16. I'll take this one first. I think Houston is in some serious trouble here, Brian. I look mostly at that second round matchup. I like that to be Rutgers uh, against Houston and Rutgers just with what happened with this team last year, they were going to break this you know huge uh, drought that this uh, program has had for so long and finally make the tournament. Then the tournament doesn't happen. A huge disappointment for teams like Rutgers, like San Diego State, like Dayton that were going to have a chance at a special season last year. They come back this year in Rutgers, you know, maybe not quite the ceiling that it had a season ago, but I think still a very dangerous team. I think they match up well with Clemson in the first round. I think they, you know, probably bring maybe the best player to the floor in the game. And I think that they could give Houston a lot of trouble in a potential second round matchup. So I I think Houston goes down and, you know, I'm not totally sleeping on Cleveland state uh, against Houston. (laughs) This is a team that has won a ton of games this season. Very good coming out of the horizon league. They also uh, have plenty of experience on that team and guys who can take over the game. So I think that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Cleveland State over Houston. Book it. Let's go. Let's uh, let's go. Uh, take that 20 point underdog to win straight up. But I think Houston might have its handful a little bit more than uh, Cleveland State 
is getting credit for. I think that's a dangerous 15-2, and we have seen plenty of dangerous 15-2s in the past. But then moving on to the second round, I think uh, I think Rutgers is the team that ends up coming out of that pod and moving on to the Sweet 16. So Houston, a team that I am fading. What's one that you're fading? Well, you're giving Indiana fans flashbacks with that Cleveland State <laughs> upset pick. Uh, that's a pretty bold one. I like that. Uh, well, you know, I like most of the top three seeds in this tournament. I think we're going to see a lot of them make it to the second weekend. Uh, so I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit with Kansas. You know, Kansas, another one of those teams that's having COVID issues, had to pull out of the Big 12 tournament. Uh, David McCormack wasn't going to play in the tournament, even if they'd uh, gone, uh, you know, been able to stay in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Don't know his status. Don't know the status of really anyone on the team at this point, uh, wh- where where they're going to be when they suit up. I still think they'll get pa- past Eastern Washington, although that's a pretty good team, a good coach, Ashante Lagans, who's a really rising uh, coach. Uh, but I think they'll get through that one. But then you start to look at some of the second round matchups that are possible. You know, if, if Drake gets there, then I don't think Kansas is going to lose to Drake. But they they could play Wichita State, and that is a that is an absolute holy war for Wichita State uh, to be able to play Kansas. And uh, I think they would be so fired up for that. We saw what happened last time that happened. Uh, and then you have USC, uh, another potential second-round matchup. Mm-hmm. Evan Mobley would be just really difficult for Kansas to contain, as well as Dave McCormack played. Uh, down the stretch, he's still not super mobile, I don't think. And a, a, a guy like Evan Mobley could really uh, make life difficult on him. So when you combine what Kansas has going on in its own camp uh, mm-hmm. versus uh, some of the teams that could play and the fact that I think, you know, although Kansas played better, I don't think this is a, a supremely talented team. So that's my pick for a top three seed to go down. Yeah, Evan Mobley, that would be, I mean, that's a load for any team to handle and Kansas would uh, not be alone in that if they were to struggle with him and USC, if that is indeed a second round matchup. We've got a Kansas expert coming on here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to have to run that idea by him. Uh As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move on from that. Let's get to that aforementioned Kansas expert. We've got a couple of our athletic college basketball colleagues joining us on the show today. 
First up is CJ Moore. CJ, of course, covers Kansas for us here at The Athletic. CJ also very close and knowledgeable about all the teams in the Big 12. CJ, thanks for joining us today. Let me say, before we get going, before we ask you our first question for you, I want to let you know that uh, when we were preparing the show, Brian was crowing to me about winning <laughs> your uh, against the spread picks pool this season. The two of you and Seth Davis, Brian was patting himself on the back saying that he was uh, the winner there. So uh, just want to let you know what's going on behind your back. Yeah, it's like uh, beating a bunch of slow kids in a race. <laughs> yeah, I was only I only finished at fifty two percent, so it's not that much to brag about. Yeah, I think I was a couple games below. Uh, below so it wasn't wasn't a uh, great showing. So what, what what better guest to have on a gambling show than a guy? That yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. You gotta love that. Uh, let's talk about Baylor here, CJ, a team you know. Very well, uh, a team that is obviously among the favorites to win the championship. If they do end up getting tripped up before the Final Four, where do you see it happening? Where's the biggest hurdle for them between right now and getting to the Final Four? Oh, man, I I, uh, I think, you know, I, I don't think the second round is, is is that tough. Like, I think there's tougher eight, nine teams out there. I'm just going to start off right away because I, I don't see you throwing any shade in the Big Ten. Um, but from what I've listened to so far, it just sounds like all, all kinds of Big Ten homerism. So uh, I don't think you know North Carolina or Wisconsin's too too troublesome for them. Mm. Um, I actually think you know the four or five seeds are manageable there with with Purdue and obviously Villanova is not the the Villanova that we know. So I think you know the 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 biggest hurdle for for Baylor getting to a Final Four will probably be. Whoever the the Bears end up playing in the uh, in the Elite Eight, if if you know they get there, and um, you know Ohio State would be a tough matchup, but but I think you know basically Arkansas obviously has been hot, but I honestly feel like you know with both Gonzaga and, and, and Baylor, the committee did them some favors in in, in terms of and you know how their their brackets lined up. I don't think that there's like any opponent that's it's really really a terrible matchup. Purdue could be tough because. You saw David McCormick have success against them in their first loss this season. Uh, Trevion Williams is maybe a guy that, that that could give them problems. They don't, you know, Baylor has length and big guys, um, but they don't have like a you know a, a monster in the post. So, so, so maybe that's it. Although I do love my boy uh, Jonathan Chuma Chuma Chachawa. I think I got it right there. Nailed it. What a story on him, but I can't say his name. We'll leave that pronunciation to you for sure. Uh, CJ, I want to ask you about a team you probably don't know a whole lot about, and that is Kansas. Um, they obviously reinvented themselves uh, in the second half of the season, but had to pull out of the Big 12 tournament. I just picked them as a, as a top three seed I thought might lose before the second weekend just because their second round matchup could be pretty difficult. But uh, what, what are your expectations for Kansas, uh, knowing what you know about where they are at this point? Man, it's it's going to be tough to uh, to see how that all plays out because you know I I think they will have David McCormick back, which will be big for them because you know they play through him a ton. I mean he he is a very high usage player. Um, you know, one of the players they're going to have out. I don't think it's any secret if you check Twitter, um, you, you can you can find out who that is a a, a starter. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to uh, say it based on our how we handle COVID at the Athletic, but. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a challenge just because you, you you know Brian you you hit it on the on the nail where where you said that uh, you know they're not as ta- talented as they usually are at KU, but I will say the one time when you usually are doubting Bill Self is is the time that he usually comes through. Yeah. So um, 
you know, I, I think KU's got a decent shot to get to the second weekend. But in that USC game, even if KU's got a, a full roster, like USC's higher ranked than them at Kimpom. So KU's, you know, could very, it's probably going to be a, an underdog if, if the game against USC ends up happening. Correct me if I'm wrong, CJ, but one of the biggest upsets in Kansas history was a 14-3 game, right, with Bucknell. That was that was a 14-3 matchup, yep. I believe, all those years ago. So uh, maybe some some tough memories for Kansas fans uh, being on the three line. We've talked about Oklahoma State a ton, but I think they're you know one of, if not the most interesting team in the tournament because of how they come into this year, because of Cade Cunningham because of the fact that they were maybe the most underseeded team in the field and are now staring down a potential Sweet 16 matchup with yeah. arguably the hottest team in the country in Illinois. So let's fast forward to that matchup happening. with something we all want to see. How did Cade and the Cowboys take down Io in the Illini? Ooh, uh, Illinois is so hot right now, but, but I think that, you know, Cade is a guy that just – he does anything to win, right? Like I, I keep getting these – as, as they were playing in the Big 12 tournament, I kept getting texts from coaches like, man, guy's so poised, such a winner, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, he he just rises to the occasion. He hits big shots. Um, he can kind of, like, no matter how you play him in the pick and roll, he can manipulate that coverage and, and find his guys. And I don't think the team has gotten any better from November to now than Oklahoma State. So how they beat Illinois – well, they, they, they like to switch up their defenses. You know, they could throw some zone at them. Um, you know, Illinois is so good at getting into the paint and and playing through um, Kofi and, and you know, getting Io good to, to, to go downhill. So maybe they're able to, to kind of keep them out of the paint, make them make perimeter shots, which they're a good perimeter shooting team. But in the tournament, you never know. In 40 minutes, you can go cold really easily. CJ, I, I am all in on this Texas team. Love them. They're my dark horse national title contender, even though that horse is not really all that dark <laughs> after winning the Big 12 title. But uh, I think people know, know all about them at this point. But is there another Big 12 team that maybe people aren't talking about at all? I mean, there were seven great teams out of that league. Was there another one who could maybe make a run in this league, in this tournament, excuse me? Yeah, I, I'm with you on Texas. I mean, that's a, one of my final four picks. I, I can't quit that team. I've uh, I've been high on them all year. I think that's a top five roster in college basketball. So I think I think you're onto something there. Maybe Texas Tech, like Chris Beard. We've seen him roll through this tournament before. You know they don't have the same kind of roster that they had that, that made the uh, national championship game a few years ago. And you know I, I think what they're missing is like an elite rim protector. But the offense is, may, you know, you could argue the offense is maybe a tinge better than than that team was and. Uh, Mac McClung is like about as exciting as any player to watch in, in, in college basketball. Like when stuff gets crazy, Mac McClung thrives. So <laughs> late in games, you could you could see him. You know, they, they had a late rally. Who was it against? Who, who was their SEC? Uh, oh, it was LSU. I don't know if people saw that game this year, but like that was one of the craziest rallies you'll ever see. So Texas Tech, you could see them going around. That's a staff that I think does a really really good job preparing in a small window. Um, so, so maybe, maybe the Red Raiders, that team, I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like everybody else in the big 12 is getting talked about mm-hmm. other than Oklahoma. And I, I don't like how use just as much against yeah. Gonzaga. So no, probably if they get past Missouri, probably not going to be the team that takes down the 
Zags. And hey, Texas Tech, plus 800 to win that South region. The third best odds, better than the three, four, and five seats in their own region. So uh, putting some faith, certainly, in Chris Beard's history, Mac McClung, and what the Red Raiders might be able to do over the next couple of weeks. CJ Moore, he'll be with us all throughout DNU. And you can follow his work, of course, at The Athletic. Check him out on Twitter at CJ Moore Hoops. CJ, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, fellas. Have fun. Thanks, CJ. All right, one more athletic writer joining the show here this afternoon. It is Eamon Brennan. Eamon, uh, very close to all things college basketball, including, of course, the bubble. And we're going to ask him certain things about that and how the bubble teams might be dangerous over the next couple of weeks. But Eamon, first place I want to start with you is with the Virginia Cavaliers, another team like we just talked about with Kansas that is dealing with some COVID issues, had to pull out of the ACC tournament last week. Where do things stand with Virginia as they are getting ready for a first-round matchup with Ohio? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they stand where they where they stood on Sunday night when um, Virginia had a press conference and Tony Bennett sort of talked about their plan, which was to kind of play things by – or take things a day at a time um, try and get everybody fully, you know, quarantined and tested and cleared and then get down on Friday, uh, to Indianapolis. So whether they'll have practice time, whether they'll have, um, the ability to walk through, you know, in the gym, um, <laughs> seems unlikely. It's a very sort of, without making light of COVID and the seriousness of protocols and all that good stuff, it feels a little bit like an AAU team knowing that they have a tournament at the weekend, but you know, one or two of the players also have a soccer tournament that weekend. So they're trying to figure out whether or not everybody's going to go. Um, and they may show up late. It's that sort of level of um, logistical uh, certainty at this point. So uh, yeah, it's not an ideal situation. Now, I don't know. I don't think we have um, even as much certainty as the sort of the Kansas situation, which I heard you guys talking about in the previous segment a little bit uh, in terms of guys that, you know, tested positive that weren't available for conference tournaments, that whole thing, because mm -hmm. once Virginia popped a positive test, they just shut down and, and the AC, you know, they were out of the tournament without any sort of announcements about players not being available, that sort of thing. So um, there still isn't even that much certainty as to whether the player who tested positive, who apparently, according to reporting, played against Syracuse the day before is going to be available for the tournament or um, whether that, you know, the whole roster is available all that stuff is still up in the air. So that said, there's a possibility that a full strength Virginia appears this weekend at the NCAA tournament. There's also a possibility that it's not a full strength and either way, it doesn't seem like they're going to have the normal preparation that you'd like to have for a tournament, regardless of who's available. Eamon, uh, Eamon is the best bubble watcher in the country by far. And he's the only other guy uh, that I know for sure was up watching Colorado state, Utah state at 3 a.m. with me uh, <laughs> the other day, but uh, of all the work you did on these bubble teams, now that the, the, you know the ones have gotten in, is there one that you look at that that you think maybe can can actually make a run that it's gotten in now? I mean, the obvious one. I think there are a couple obvious ones. The first one is Michigan State because um, it's Michigan State. It's Tom Izzo. I think if you look at wins above expectation in the NCAA tournament for the past twenty years, I think he's tops. Um, so it, it that kind of aligns with everybody's sort of semi cliched but but very real understanding of what Tom Izzo's teams are all about, particularly this time of year. And putting them in the first four is especially interesting because we see um, first four teams every year. It's a little different this year, but we see first four teams every year um, playing a game, getting a game into their legs early, uh, playing again two nights later, they win that, and then all of a sudden they're, they're a win away from the second weekend. And I'm, I think we've had, uh, ever since the first four started, at least one of those teams has made the Sweet 16. Um, so that's 
that sounds like Michigan State to me, right? Like it just, it, you know, particularly given the way they played down the stretch to get themselves into the tournament to beat three top five teams in the in a matter of a couple of weeks. That's an obvious one that I think um, probably most even casual college basketball fans don't need me don't need me to name. Another one that's semi obvious uh, is Syracuse, and I think you and I had roughly similar conceptions about Syracuse's uh, you know ability to get into the tournament. I was maybe a little bit higher on them um, vis-a-vis Louisville than, than you were, but it was really close. And there was really sort of both of those resumes you could see being like, blah, like the committee just throwing both of them out at the end of the day, if someone else had emerged or if another bid had been stolen, um, you know, Cincinnati had won the American conference tournament. You could see Syrac- you could have seen Syracuse being the last team not to get in. Um, but given all that their resume, I think right now is worse than they actually are on the floor. Um, Buddy Beheim has gotten really hot. Uh, he is a legitimate, you know, sort of big time stretch wing scorer at this point in his career, which is not something I ever expected to say <laughs> about Buddy Beheim. Um, but he's really good. He was really good against Virginia, which is a you know a really good defensive team. Um, you know, it's worth remembering before Virginia shut down and and Duke shut down and all that stuff. That that noon game against Virginia in the ACC tournament, Syracuse took them to the wire and Virginia needed a buzzer beater at the last second um, from Reese Beekman to, to advance. So I think Syracuse right now is playing really well. I think Jim Beheim has figured out sort of his best rotations and his best looks. They're not a good team, but we've seen again, time and again in the NCAA tournament um, that Syracuse zone can give people a lot of, a lot of trouble. It's one thing to see it in your league twice a year um, and to have a pretty good understanding of it. It's another to have seen nothing like it all year and trying to prepare for it and trying to prepare for it on two nights notice, particularly, um, is really, really difficult. So that's another really, you know, right on the bubble team that I think, uh, is a team that could give, you know, depending on San Diego state could, could give people some issues further in the bracket. Yep. San Diego state preparing for that two, three zone as we speak. And then if seeds hold, it would be West Virginia potentially getting Syracuse in the second round. I want to ask you about another bubble team right in your backyard. How about Georgetown, a team that was, uh, you know, I guess weren't, they weren't really a bubble team because they needed to win the big East tournament to get into the tournament. They beat uh, uh, Villanova without Colin Gillespie. They end Seton Hall season. They just roll right over Creighton in the big East championship. And here they are, dancing once again uh, what's your read on georgetown going into the big dance yeah my read on them all year was that i sort of completely ignored them in a lot of ways because it was just like uh you know even being this close in dc it was like okay well they're not going to be very good it's a rebuilding year wrote about them a bunch in the offseason wrote about them a little bit early on in the year but it was just sort of a write-off year in a lot of ways i mean he put together a roster after losing so many players last season from a team that was probably going to make the ncaa tournament before everything fell apart um you know had nine new guys this year. Uh, Kudus Wahab was really the one player you look at and say, that's a guy you can build around for the future. Some mm-hmm. seniors and Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair kind of leftovers in, in not to be too rude about it, but that's kind of what they were. They were bench guys um, before the roster fell apart last season. And they both ended up playing like 40 minutes a game down the stretch. Cause they basically had five available players. Um, he kind of pieced together, you know, like Judy Bile, uh, a guy from, you know, way off the radar down in the lower reaches of Division One, who's been really good. Um, you know, Dante Harris from Arkansas, uh, sort of a transfer who did not have a good season last year and then look, is looking like, you know, uh, mini Allen Iverson in the garden. I mean, it's been a totally surprising turn of events. I will say they did play well down the stretch. Um, they did get better this season. They weren't 
like it's not like they were ranked 151st in Ken Palm or something, showed up at the Big East tournament and then won four games completely out of nowhere. You know, they won four of six down the stretch. They beat Seton Hall, beat Xavier, um, kind of helped kill those teams, uh, those teams at large bids before um, stealing a bid in the NCAA tournament. And yeah, they've been guarding really, really well. I mean, defensively, they were great against Creighton and everyone took notice of that, but they were really good the day before against Seton Hall, I think they have a chance to really give Colorado some issues because I've watched Colorado a fair amount this year, particularly with bubble watch and staying up late for those PAC 12 games on the West coast. And I like Colorado a lot. If they're moving the ball, McKinley Wright's running at people, they're getting open shots, corner threes, all that good stuff. They're a really, really good offensive team. But if they get bogged down, they don't have a whole lot on the back line or on the other end of the floor to stop you. And I think if Georgetown could just make it ugly, bog them down, you know, get in, get into McKinley, Wright. Um, play over on screens with him, give him a hard time, like make the game ugly, play it in the 50s or low 60s, Georgetown absolutely has a chance to win. Even you have, uh, I think, Alabama coming out of the East region. Um, I love that team, love Nate Oates, love the style they play. But my question is, uh, have any concerns with that style of play in March, especially the, the pace uh, when we get these long timeouts, uh, you know, these uh, commercials and replay reviews and teams that want to really bog them down? Uh, is there, does that concern you at all going into March at, at a style like this? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to that. I think my biggest thing with Alabama is just defense. I think mm-hmm. it's incredibly impressive and has been all year. You know, we sort of – starting off with Alabama this year um, and writing the power rankings every week, which I did and they sort of being like, Oh, Alabama's good. And them getting in sort of in January or whatever, it was like, wow, look at this fast offensive team that shoots a ton of threes and no mid range jumpers and free throws and layups. And they're like the James Harden of college basketball teams. Isn't this crazy. <laughs> yep. And then you get midway through the conference season and they're not doing that. I mean, they're, they're still playing that way on the offensive end and they still want to run, but what their real strength was is not offense. Um, they're a pretty decent offensive team in the SEC. I mean, they were the second best, but they weren't, you know, I think they're 1.06 points per possession, something like that. That's good, but it's not amazing. Like, consider Gonzaga is like 1.3 or something in the West Coast yeah. Conference. It's a totally different ball game, but they're the best defensive team in the SEC, despite playing that fast. I think that's what gives me um, a bit of reassurance about mm-hmm. their sort of baseline, their, their foundation as um, whatever happens in the tournament, if like like we said with Georgia, things get bogged down. They can still get stops on one end of the floor. I think we saw that in the SEC title game with LSU. They won it on a stop. It's a team that gets stops over and over again, and that still plays fast and puts you under pressure on the other end. I just I agree with you. I, I love that team. I love the style. Um, have all year, but have been especially impressed with how well they're able to play defense while still playing at their pace. Yeah, playing exactly like James Harden might be the might not be the best way to win a championship as we've seen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, they don't play they don't play defense yeah. like James Harden. Let's put it yeah, that that's right. <laughs> James Harden offense with a little bit better of uh, showing on the other end of the floor. That's Eamon Brenning, a great show in here on this episode of Ding You. Eamon, thanks again for joining us today. We'll be talking to you throughout this year, so uh, enjoy the tournament, my friend. Looking forward to it, you guys as well. Thanks, Eamon. All right, we are just about wrapping up this debut episode of Ding You. And what better way to do it than with a look at my and Brian's Final Four and National Championship picks. Uh, I I wish mine was a little bit more fun. I'm going to let you go first here, though, Brian. Walk us through your Final Four and your National Champion. 
Yeah, it's not super exciting either. But, uh, you know, I just think that the top seeds have really uh, distinguished themselves and separated themselves this year. And uh, obviously Gonzaga, I love them in the Final Four. Baylor, I think they've got a good draw. Illinois is playing better as, as as well as anybody in the country. And then I mentioned my love for Texas, and uh, I think the, they've got a, a pretty good shot of coming out of the East as well. So that's my Final Four. Three ones and a three, not super exciting <laughs> again, but uh, I love these one seeds this year. Uh, we got Gonzaga over Baylor. I mean, those have been the two teams all year long. Baylor's dipped a little bit here lately. Their defense hasn't been quite as good, but uh, get them out of the Big 12, uh, playing some different teams that uh, have to really deal with that. Uh, I think this is the game we all wanted to see, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'd still love to see it. Uh, So that's my pick. Yeah, you know, uh, when we were talking to Jason Scott from BetMGM earlier and asking him about props, I was hoping he was going to bring up the uh, number of one seats to make the Final Four prop because right Mm -hmm. now over two and a half one seats to make the final four is sitting at plus three thirty, and you know we don't see it very often. There's a reason why that's plus three thirty, even as good as the one seeds are this season. But I'm with you. I like that a lot this season. I've got it just a little bit different than you do. I just don't see it. Like we have watched so much Gonzaga and so much mm-hmm. Baylor this season that any argument against them making the final four requires you to do some mental gymnastics and you know Gonzaga has I think the cleanest path to the final four of any team in the tournament you know no offense to Ohio State a very good team could they beat Baylor of course they could beat Baylor in the elite eight but you know Baylor just such a diverse offense and you know such great athleticism such great guard play we know how important that is a team that was right here ready to do something similar a year ago brings back most of that team and is doing it again this year I just really don't see any team getting in either of their way. I'm riding the Cade Cunningham train in the Midwest. I hate to take Illinois out here with the way that they're playing and maybe uh, one of the best uh, inside-outside duos in Io Tsunmu and Kofi Coburn, but I, I want to differentiate a little bit, and I think Oklahoma State is a good way to do that. We've talked so much in this show about how they are underseeded. This is really more a three-seed rather than a four. I hate that this is a Sweet 16 matchup that we're probably looking at, but I will ride with Oklahoma State to come out of the Midwest. And then I've been sort of hitting that at all episode. I just think that if and when Isaiah Livers is back, Michigan is back to being the team that put themselves in a group with Gonzaga and Baylor for so long for, you know, December, January, even until February, we were thinking, you know, this is Gonzaga, Baylor, and everyone else. And then for a stretch there before Michigan had its COVID shutdown, we talked about them as making this a three-team group at the top of the country. And I think that with Livers back, they would deserve to be in that group as well. So I will go with that as the final four. And then I'm with you. It's chalky. It's boring. I wish I could throw a seven seed and a five seed in here, but I just don't see how Gonzaga and Baylor get slowed down or get stopped by anyone other than Gonzaga or Baylor and Gonzaga. Just I've watched a ton of them this season. I think we all have. And you know, there's really no doubting that when they bring their A game, there's really no plan with them. They can bring their B minus game and still beat some of the best teams in the country. So I think it'll be Gonzaga going 32 and 0, being the first team since 1976, Indiana to go undefeated wire to wire, number one team in the country this season. And that's where things stand in our final four and our national championship game. And that's where things stand. That's where things end for this first episode of ding you to all of you out there who tuned in. Thank you so much. As I said, we're going to be doing this all tournament long. We'll be with you again tomorrow, taking a look at the first four. And then again on Thursday, taking a look at the first round games. Thank you to Jason Scott from BetMGM, CJ Moore and Eamon Brennan for joining us on this episode. And Mike Zimmerman, behind the scenes, our producer. Thank you as well. Brian, this was fun. We got our feet wet, but we're just getting started here. Plenty more to go. 
Can't wait. I still can't believe you only have one Big Ten team in your Final Four. But, uh... <laughs> Don't listen. We already, we've gone long enough. Don't get me started on what this disaster of a Wisconsin season was this year. I could make this another hour long if we got on that train. So I'm just going to leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for watching us here on Ding You. If you're just tuning in at the end, you missed it. Good news. This will be running as a podcast as well on the Daily Ding feed. So check us out there as well. We'll be with you tomorrow. Enjoy filling out those brackets. <laughs>